Welcome to the Safari Stories Podcast, the podcast where you'll hear nail-biting stories about all sorts of animals and adventures. Each week, you'll get to ride along as our guests share their amazing safari stories with you. Now, let's jump into your safari stories for today with your host, John Lister. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, today, we're lucky enough to have Danny Broom join us. Uh, Danny is one of the co-creators of the Kruger Explorer app, and uh, they've also got the associated website, KrugerExplorer.com. Uh, Danny, thank you very much for joining us. Hi there, John. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Um, and how I usually run through the episodes is I always ask a little bit about your background and how you discovered nature and a bit of your journey to where we are today. So if you could give us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, please. happy to do it, John. And well, thanks again for, for taking the time to, uh, to connect and stuff. Pleased to be uh, able to chat to uh, safaristories.com viewers and listeners and things as well. And so um, to answer your question, yeah, a bit of background from, from my perspective. Um, as you mentioned, I'm one of the co-creators of the, uh, the, the Kruger Explorer app. And um, I've been fortunate enough over the years to uh, be able to uh, spend quite a bit of time either working or traveling around South Africa and and the the area of the country that, that always sort of captured my heart and, and took me back to was was, was Kruger National Park and, and some of the uh, the wonderful wildlife and, and, and habitats and environments that, that you can find both in Kruger and, and in that sort of low veld greater Kruger area so a wonderful corner of the world and um, so we uh, my partner Charlotte and I uh, just over a year ago kind of came up with the idea of wouldn't it be great if we could um, sort of create a, a single kind of platform of information about Kruger. Uh, we used to drive around the park with half a library of, of books on the car seat, um, the mammals guide, the birds guide, a couple of maps, you know, all the, the usual sort of stuff. And, and so we sort of said, wouldn't it be great if we had a single resource for all of this information? Uh, and wouldn't it be great to, to really bring that into the 21st century as well? You know, actually have it on our, our mobile phone or our tablet device in an app format rather than carting all these heavy books around and so a little idea was sort of uh, dreamt up then as we were sort of exploring the bush and um, ever ever since then we've kind of been working on trying to make it a reality so uh, it's um, yeah it's been a wonderful journey and uh, it's something that we're very passionate about I guess it that's very much what it started off as is a, a passion project and uh, a lot of your your viewers and, and listeners on here will, will absolutely know what I'm talking about when that, that passion for Kruger is such a such a real tangible thing. So it's certainly seen us through on this uh, this exciting project as well. Absolutely, and uh, one of the things I really uh, loved about Kruger Explorer is the level of detail that you're going to. There's there's so much information there. Um, whether it's you're looking about information about camps and the roads and different tracks to take, and you know if you've yep. got a spare two or three hours, this is a suggested route to birds, different species, uh, as well as all the animals. So um, you really have spent a lot of time putting together a great resource. Thanks, John. No, it's been a yeah, it's been a, a labor of love, that's for sure. It's uh, you know a huge amount of content, as you say. The, the app really sort of breaks down into to three different sort of sections, I guess. There's the the field guide in terms of the actual animals and all the different wildlife species that you can see there, and that's split into mammals, birds, reptiles, invertebrates, and flora. Um, there's uh, over 450 individual animal profiles, which obviously then gives you a lot of information about each of the individual species. Exceptionally high quality photography at all times so that you can identify what you're looking at, particularly important with the birds, so that you can really sort of get to, to grips with that sort of stuff. 
Um, and, and yeah, really just sort of celebrates this wonderful uh, collection of wildlife that, that you find in, in Kruger. And, uh, and, and we, we were able to, I used to actually be a, a guide um, going back some years uh, at a private reserve in South Africa. And so really lent on all of that knowledge and experience uh, around the wildlife to be able to put that field guide element together. So it's a real encyclopedia of, of Kruger's wildlife. Um, the other sections then, as you mentioned, there's, there's the sort of the roots part of it, um, which is really the guide in the pocket, I guess. And, and the way that we've been encouraging uh, people to, to think about that is to, to A, use it to plan their trip. You know, if you're interested in particular species, if you want to see uh, certain types of animals whilst you're visiting the park, then it's actually quite important that you stay in the right areas of the park. And so having that information to be able to read about the different routes that you can take and what you might what you might encounter down different roads um, is really important part of that that planning process and then obviously once you're in the park uh, the app is designed to work completely offline you can put your flight uh, your phone into flight mode and, and away you go kind of thing you've got this guide in your pocket um, that, that's sort of telling you not sort of giving you sort of hard instructions but kind of giving you suggested roads to sort of go down suggested big routes to take if you want a short route a mid route or a full day route then, then you can take a pick and, and off you go and what it really tries to do is as, as you're exploring it educates from the ground up so it's basically saying rather than go down road xyz because you might see lions uh, it sort of says, right, you're traveling down this particular road and you'll see that you're surrounded by grass, grassy plains. That's because the geology, the soil is, is of a certain type, which stops trees from growing, which means you get grass. The grass attracts the zebra and the wildebeest and the wildebeest and the zebra attract the lions. That's why this is a great road for lions. And so you get that immersive understanding of this wonderful environment that you're, you're driving through. Um, the other part of the app as well, as I mentioned, is this then the sort of slightly more practical stuff. There's lots of information about the park, about the camps. Uh, there's there's uh, very high quality maps, which are the most up-to-date that you can get anywhere in the market at the moment, including in the park shops. There, there's new roads that aren't included on those maps. Uh, and then there's a sightings functionality. So you, could, you have a checklist of everything that you've seen and that sort of interactive element in the app as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I've noticed is that um, you do uh, actively update the app. So there's always new information going in there. So if there's uh, different species or different roads, and as you say, you're the most up-to-date map for the new roads. Um, it's quite a evolving project, let's say. Yeah, we, we launched it with, you know, there was about 250 odds, uh, actually just over 300 species when we launched it in the, the, the field guide element. And, and really that covered all of the, the major species that you are likely to encounter on any given visit to Kruger. But there are other bird species in particular. We've also expanded the invertebrates and some of the reptiles, some of the snakes and, and butterflies, spiders, things like that. And so we've been adding increasingly rare stuff, um, which, which is nice to be able to do. Um, and and that kind of makes it even more comprehensive and, and, and really sort of ticks, ticks it off as a, a comprehensive resource that once you've got it, you're not going to need anything else for your, your visit. Plus, obviously, we're, we're very fortunate that we're able to get to Kruger with, with good regularity. And so we, we get new information, we get new insights. We, we'll, we'll see new species down particular roads and, and stuff like that. So we update those routes so that it, it reflects our new knowledge as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'll say is that anyone that's heading over there, whether you're new and uh, not really uh, sure on what to see in the park or you've been going for 60 years, uh, there's so much information there, you will learn something. Uh, so have, definitely have a look at it. Um, there's a lot of 
great information and it's always updated. Great, thanks, John. <laughs> so um, let's move a little, uh, move on to a, a few of your sightings and a few of the things that you've experienced in the park personally. So um, maybe I'll show it over to you and tell them, you know, ask you to tell us a little bit about one of your sightings. Yeah, happy to do it. Um, I have to say that this was like the hardest question I've ever been asked when, uh, <laughs> when we were chatting before this and you said, well, you know, we'll chat about a couple of your favorite sightings and stuff. I thought, wow, that's, you know, one of the amazing things about Kruger is just how, how vast it is and how much variety of habitat and environment there. There's three and a half, I think about three and a half thousand kilometers of roads that any visitor can drive themselves down, which is, is just phenomenal. And the park itself is the same size as Israel or Wales or Belize, you know, depending on which countries you know. Um, it, it's uh, just a vast sort of place. And, and I've been lucky enough to spend a huge amount of time there over the years. And, and it just throws up amazing memories amazing sightings wonderful experiences and so to, to try and hone that down into just one or two is it was a real challenge um, but i kind of i kind of thought of a couple that that we had sort of more more recently and, and the sort of the personal magic that kind of came with some of them as well which which was pretty cool and so one of them that, that sort of sprung to mind was um, when uh, charlotte and i were in kruger last october uh, we we were very fortunate to be able to go in at the, the very north of the park near the zimbabwe border and spend uh, a good number of weeks driving all the way down through through the park um, and we we had gone in at the north and, and we hadn't been there that long we were staying at thunder maria the, the northernmost of the uh, the main camps main rest camps in the park and um, we, we sort of got up early, set out, as you do, uh, crack of dawn, and it was a miserable morning. It looked like it was going to rain. It was kind of, the sun was up, but the cloud was so thick that it was pretty dark. And I don't know, sometimes when you, you venture out, you kind of have that exciting feeling of what we're going to see kind of thing. And this morning just didn't feel like one of those mornings at all. Um, so we were sort of driving along the, the main road that takes you into Thunder Maria, and I just casually said to Charlotte, so what are we going to see today? And she she like she would quite often do, says, oh, we're going to see wild dog puppies. Oh, uh, you know, I, I rolled my eyes because that's an incredibly challenging sighting. You know, they're an incredibly uh, endangered species. The, the Kruger is a, a good place to see them, but it's nevertheless, uh, you know, a tough sighting, to say the least. Uh, and, and then when you throw in puppies, um, you know, you're, you're really uh, asking for a bit of a miracle there kind of thing. So I, you know, rolled my eyes. I don't know what I said, but but not a lot in response to that. So we carry on driving down the road. And within less than 30 seconds of Charlotte saying, we're going to see wild dog puppies, these two adult wild dogs sprint straight across the road in front of us to the point I actually have to slam the brakes on to, to avoid any kind of collision and stuff. And, and then out of nowhere, there is wild dogs everywhere, all around us. And there was a pack of them, uh, was 30, about 30 in total, although impossible to count precisely because just so much chaos of all this movement and running around. And of this 30, there was probably about 20 of them that were puppies. Um, so just the most amazing experience to have sort of there in front of us, sort of surrounding the car, running around. Um, a couple of them had uh, little bones in their mouths and stuff from something that they had caught that they were using as a toy you know, there was no food left on it and stuff but they were sort of playing and stuff and you could see the adults kind of shepherding them and making sure that some didn't just run off into the bush and, and things like that so it's this hugely energetic kind of sighting and, and just amazing experience to be totally surrounded by so many wild dogs that were being so active and, and just uh, a really magical kind of moment and add to the fact that obviously Charlotte had made this comment 
just 30 seconds earlier and you couldn't you couldn't script it kind of thing so so it's a, a wonderful thing and, and one of the things that's always quite important to us because we're very active on our social media and our blog and stuff like that and obviously we we try to get really high quality photography images for the app as well um at that point i'm trying to then start to get some good photos and things like that. And it was honestly one of the hardest photographic assignments I've ever had. The, the light level was extremely low, so it's hard to take fast photos. Um, the, the, just the energy all around, and, and these dogs are sort of moving along the road. So I'm trying to drive and lean out to take photos. Charlotte's trying to do the same out the other side of the car. and uh, A very chaotic kind of scene, but we did actually manage to get some wonderful images and uh, we'll share them with you as well. So hopefully you can sort of hook them onto this and, and people can see some of them. But it was an incredible experience, a wonderful sighting in an area of the park, not really famous for, for its predators, let alone wild dogs. Um, and so, uh, and, and wonderful, I think, just to be able to see, you know, a, a critically endangered species doing so well, you know, 20, 20 of the next generation were, were there and it's not to suggest that they'll all make it to adulthood because that's not how the, the wilderness works, but wonderful to, to see such great numbers of, uh, of a critically endangered species. Absolutely. And, and I have to say it's probably one of the first or, um, or the, I'd say it is actually the first uh, story involving Pundia, Punda Maria. It's not, okay. a, it's not a camp that gets featured too often. Um, so uh, on that, speaking about camps, where you've obviously travelled extensively through the park, which camp is one that you're uh, always top of your list to go and visit? Again, it's such a difficult question. <laughs> I think the amazing thing with Puria again is that each of those rest camps, you're kind of spoiled for choice because each of the rest camps has its own thing. It has a, a thing that, that it, it, it's kind of famous for or is unique to that area of the park or whatever it might be. And, and it's, it really does mean that you can't sort of go wrong with, with selecting a camp actually because the, there is something awesome nearby to, to sort of explore and, and hopefully see in terms of wildlife and stuff. Um, I, I do like Ponda Maria in the north. I think the, the access point from there to get up to the Pifuri region of the park, uh, which is really the only tropical region of Kruger, uh, or truly tropical region of Kruger is, is so spectacularly beautiful. And this is right up on the sort of S63, S64 roads along the Levuvu River. Um, and it's, you know, the, there's a, a lot fewer visitors go there because it's pretty remote. And the, the, the environment of the, the, uh, the floodplains there with all the fever trees and stuff is a very magical uh, place to explore. It's really very, very special. And, um, and then you've got Punda Maria, which is a little bit further south and, and it's the biggest of the, the main rest camps there. Um, and it, it's, it's, again, it's got its own sort of environments nearby that, that offer quite unique species. And, and particularly if you're into birding and stuff, it, there's probably not a better area of the park actually. So, um, so it's, it's absolutely wonderful there, but it's remote. It's, it, you know, you're not going to see the same densities of predators and things like that up there either. So uh, whilst you can tick off some rare stuff, if, if it's your first ever or your only ever safari kind of experience, then, then there's probably better options sort of further south as well. And so if you're into the, the big cats, um, you know, the, some of the central areas of the park, Oliphants and Satara in particular, I've always had some good success with there. Um, and, and if you're just into, you know, really exploring a, a good, variety of stuff but just seeing lots um, you know the Skakuza to Lower Sabi uh, kind of road there you, you can the H41 and, and some of the, the roads near there yes it's popular yes it gets busy with visitors particularly in peak times but there's a reason it gets busy the wildlife is incredible the density of, of animals that you can see there the variety 
uh, and, and just the frequency with which you see stuff is, is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And you can have some, some sensational signs. So um, it, it, like I say, it kind of boils down to that sort of what are you after on your trip uh, planning sort of phase and, and then sort of choose accordingly. But um, certainly support for choice when it comes to Kruger. And I've not really answered your question, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I was going to say uh, Punda Maria is... Uh, Probably that's probably the first story that we've had involving Punda Maria. We yeah. have had quite a few involving uh, Skakuza to Lower Sabi, um, and a lot of them have been, you know, not many uh, cars on the siding. It's a unique siding with very few um, others yeah. on the siding. So, um, yeah, it's one of the criticisms that a lot of people say that it's a bit busier down there, but. Uh, a lot of the stories didn't involve too much traffic. So, uh, yeah, that, that, there's one thing. But um, let's – I'll take Punda Maria as your answer as the favourite camp. <laughs> okay. Let's say you're spending the night at Punda Maria and um, you're sort of uh, – are you one of these people that are up at the crack of dawn and first at the gate? So you want to be first out the gate? Yeah, we try to be, you know. I think it's um, it's tough in the sort of November, December, January time because if you're – you know, that golden hour is, is amazing for sightings. You've got the nocturnal, the crepuscular and the diurnal species all being active at the same time. So, you know, it's superb. For it, you've got wonder, potentially wonderful light with the sunrise and stuff like that as well, which if you're into your photography is like gold dust. So that, that's, that's really important stuff too. Um, and so it's just the, the right time to be out in the park. Um, in November, December, January time, it's tough, though, because you want to do the same at the end of the day. The, the, the last hour or two is, is kind of the same but opposite. Um, and so if you're, uh, you know, if you're up at 4 a.m. To, to get out at, at gate, gate opening time in the morning and then you're getting back into camp at 6.30 in the evening, once you've had some dinner, you're really just going straight to sleep and that's it kind of thing. So it, it is kind of tough. So that time of year... We try to, but we're not always out of the gate at, at the very crack of dawn. But but if we're there in in the sort of the winter months when the days are shorter and you get a little bit more time to to rest and recuperate in the evenings and stuff, um, then yeah, we're we're usually there or thereabouts, um, heading out and, and trying to trying to find what we can find before it goes to sleep or as it's waking up. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, one of the other things I always ask about is favourite roads and play, like routes that you like to do. So as an example, um, Satara S100 comes up a lot um, as people's fa favourite roads. Um, what would you say is your favourite road or favourite route to do? doesn't have to be a Punda Maria example. Yeah, sure. Now, I can mix it up. Well, you mentioned Satara there and um, I, I can... Um there's a particular road actually that I think is is sort of new. It's quite new, so people don't always know that it's there. It's not on the maps in the park shops as well, which which doesn't help things. But if you're staying at either of Oliphants or Satara, it's, it's between the two. It's called the S147, and it's actually just a one-way road, which I think it's the only one in Kruger. I don't. They've done it as quite a narrow sort of track. Uh, as a new road so you can only kind of access it from the south and then it takes you north back towards Oliphants 
Um, but it's um, it runs along the, uh, the the little drainage line that's, that is there, and, and is a, a wonderful spot for for cats. And I, I use the term quite broadly for you know, which is is uncommon to sort of it's quite bold to do so. But it, it is a, a wonderful stretch of road for for cats, and as is the the main tar road the other side of the the waterway as well. There, um, and I had, we had a, a wonderful sighting actually once just to sort of bring it to life, where it was just one of those mornings where just the sighting just keep on happening you just end up with one of those the most amazing game drives that you could possibly imagine and we'd, we'd come out of Oliphants we'd come down the tar road and as we got to the junction with the S147 um, there was a pride of lions on a kill that they'd taken overnight I uh, couldn't quite see what it was it was just down in the down in the uh, the, the drainage line but um, you could see from all the sort of the red on the faces and stuff that they were obviously feasting and fat bellies and, and all the rest of it um, and so we, uh, you know, we kind of hung around there for a few minutes and, and literally just a few minutes, suddenly five cheetahs, there's these sort of sub-adult coalition of cheetahs that were all siblings um, and had sort of grown up together, had left the, the mum and, and were, but were still sort of sticking together now that they were, were young adults. Um, and the five cheetahs just kind of come wandering up, really just having a nose and seeing what's going on. And, and as they got closer and closer, the lions start to get more agitated. They've seen them and, and they're not really not really happy with, with the, the proximity of, a, of another predator that might come and steal their prey kind of thing. So the big biggest of the, the lionesses sort of gets up and comes charging across at these cheetahs, full pelt. Uh, you know, she's not messing around. She, you know, really was. If she, would have, if she had managed to catch one, she would have taken one. Obviously, the cheetah has the advantage of speed, but just an amazing sort of thing to sort of, again, witness around you. You've got sort of cheetahs running behind the vehicle, in front of the vehicle, lioness charging through as well. And just the most incredible experience and sighting to, to sort of witness that, that interaction between species and just the energy of the, 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 the moment and the, the occasion. I think. So it was a, a really incredible thing to, to sort of witness. So we, we were blown away by this. You know, this is going to be the best sighting of the week, let alone of the day kind of thing. And so we, we then pulled onto the, the 147 because this was all at the very junction where it, it comes off the tar road. And we were, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, sort of up the, the 147, uh, we, we encountered uh, what has now become quite famous, a uh, little leopard cub that sits in a tree while mum is out hunting um, along the 147. And so we, we sat having our breakfast with this little leopard cub in the tree. He's quite intrigued by it. And then having a snooze and then awake again and then sort of trying to catch birds that were landing nearby and just a glorious sighting. You know, we really couldn't have asked for much more. And then, of course, we're, we're waiting. It's, you know, mum will have gone out hunting overnight. Maybe she'll return. And sure enough, she, she came back and, and had, a, had some prey nearby. She had a, a bush buck that she came in and uh, got the cub down from the tree and, and off they went to go and, to go and eat. Um, and, and this was all in you know, the space of a couple of hours. And we saw with all the sort of hunting that was going on, there was hyenas everywhere. There was uh, the, obviously the pride of lions. There was another pride of lions further up the, the 147 as well. Just the most amazing drive all centered around this wonderful road. It's a, it's a fantastic stretch and uh, well worth exploring. But a lot of people just miss it because it's not on the maps uh, in the park shops at the moment because it's so new. Um, and it's, it's just quite discreet. You don't, it's very easy to sort of drive past it. You wouldn't necessarily realize it's there, but it's uh, definitely not one to be missed. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I'll uh, agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I've had some great sightings there, including 
uh, leopard and just they walk down the riverway and because the road's so close you get some really great sightings of uh, the big cats and I've also seen cheetah there so it is a it is definitely a um, road that yields a lot of results but uh, like you say it, it if you as you're driving along it's very easy to miss. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a superb stretch. And um, and with the water right there, you get all of the antelope coming in to drink. The elephants are quite often there and, and you can get pretty close. Uh, the birding is very good along there. Eagles down to the little guys. Um, it's yeah, it's a fabulous little stretch. But uh, and kind of giving away secrets by mentioning it. It's, well, it's not yeah. featured in a lot of books, so people have to get your app to see it. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell me a little bit about some other, some other sightings or some that uh, stick in your mind when you're you know recounting stories to friends and family. Yeah, sure. I think I mean one of my uh, one of my favourite species actually to to see and encounter is, uh, is actually the spotted hyenas. Um, and, and I always think it's a bit unfortunate. I think with things like the Lion King kind of making them out to be you know laughing idiots kind of thing and, and stuff like that, it, it, it's a little bit unfortunate because they're they're a bit maligned. Um, you know that when when they're cubs, they're they're pretty cute, but, but when they get to adults, they're not the best looking animals. I get it. That's fine. Um, but yeah, people tend, tend to be less interested in them. I think it's a real shame because they're fascinating creatures. Um, and, you know, just the, they're, they're super smart. Their hunting techniques are very sophisticated. Uh, their social structures are complex, uh, you know, as complex as, as uh, families of chimpanzees and things like that. They're, they're that kind of level of intellect and stuff which is, is amazing plus they're, they're quite unusual uh, sort of physically the gender morphology is really fascinating I won't go into too much detail on this but um, the, the, the females dominate the males they're bigger they're stronger um, you know they're, they're a really interesting species to, to sort of get into and the brilliant thing with sightings with them which was what you obviously asked about is that they quite often live in the little drainage culverts that you get under that are built under the roads and so if you're out early or you're, you're out just before the gates close, quite often the cubs will come out either saying goodbye to mum before she goes out to hunt or welcoming her back when, when she's returned from a, a night out hunting. Um, and some of the sightings you can have right next to the road, they're usually very relaxed, they're very comfortable and secure in their own sort of strength and safety and stuff. And you can have some wonderful sightings with the cubs kind of cuddling with mom or playing with each other and fighting and learning, you know, what they need to learn. They're, they're also, um, that learning process for hyenas is hugely important as well. And they, they quite often have toys. They'll, they'll kill, keep bits of bone or stone or sticks like a dog, uh, like a, a domesticated dog would do. And then they play with them and, and you can see this kind of learning sort of happening. And so there's a, you know, over the years, we've been lucky enough to have loads of these sightings where you you know you've gone out first thing in the morning and and there's the big hyena and you sort of follow her along the road and, and then she she ducks into a little uh, den that's built under the road kind of thing and, and all, suddenly there's pops all out everywhere kind of thing so it's it's uh, you know they're a wonderful sighting they, they make for really fascinating sort of watch and and candidly to get that close to leopard cubs or lion cubs or cheetah cubs it doesn't happen very often, whereas with the hyenas, it really does. And so it's, you know, they're, they're very rewarding in that regard. So it's, they're always a favourite sighting to see. And, and it gives, um, gives visitors a, a better opportunity of seeing a predator, an adult predator interacting with its young than you perhaps do with the, the big cats and things. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Uh, funnily enough, my wife's favourite animal is the hyena because exactly what you mentioned, uh, they remind <laughs> her of our dogs at home. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, she's quite fond of them. Uh, she doesn't understand why they get a bad rap. But, uh, yeah, every time we see hyena, we're stopping to have a good look. And exactly as you say, um, it's very interesting to watch a family dynamic. Yeah. No, they're, they're sophisticated predators as well. They, they kind of get the reputation of just being scavengers, but they actually scavenge about the same amount of their food that lions do, and lions don't get that reputation. It's kind of interesting. I think that probably the best sighting that we ever had for a hyena was actually down near Lower Salby. We'd, um, we had one morning got up at the crack of dawn and, and headed out the gates as they opened. We naturally pulled into Sunset Dam first because that's what you do when you stay at Lower Salby and, and checked out what was going on there with the crocs and the, the birds and things. Uh, it was a little bit quiet this particular morning, so we, we turned back on ourselves and, and we're kind of taking the, the road that loops around the river and heads south down to uh, to Crocodile Bridge. And um, the uh, we, we came across this uh, female spotted hyena just sort of trotting along the road, heading home kind of thing, you know, and, and they quite often walk along the sides of the roads in the morning. Um, so we were super close, you know, just driving alongside her. I've, I've got a pretty cool video on the phone, just kind of, you know, one driving one hand phone and the other hand just, just alongside, you know, she completely did not mind that we were there at all. And, and then what sort of happened was that, um, unfortunately I'd put the phone away and didn't capture this bit on video, but um, as I'm sort of driving along, there's a little bush just up ahead that just stuck out over the road ever so slightly. And, and in this instant, I kind of realized that there's a, a female impala just the other side, just clipping away at the, the leaves. And in this sort of split second of, of realizing that there's an impala there and there's a hyena here, the hyena had taken it. The hyena just went straight into hunt mode um, and grabbed the, the impala, broke its neck, disemboweled it, and was eating it within three seconds of me seeing this impala. It was just over. The impala would never have known what had hit it. It was, it was just done. But to have that happen, you know, all of two meters away from the front of our car, uh, while we've got the window open and we're just sort of trotting along with this hyena, and to witness it sort of switch from just casual trotting along the road to hunt mode, opportunistic, totally opportunistic. It, it wasn't actively hunting, but it was presented with an opportunity to, to get the, the Impala and, and it took it. Really remarkable sighting. And certainly one of the most, or kind of one of the most shocking sightings I think I've ever had, <laughs> just because of how quickly it unfolded. And, and it, it just added that, you know, it, it uh, replenished the respect that you have for these wild animals in the sense that it's so dangerous for the, the prey and the herbivores. and and the, the predators have to be so on it at any given time to take advantage of an opportunity. So it was a yeah, remarkable sighting, really something special to, to witness, although a pretty, uh, pretty harrowing kind of sighting as well. Yeah, well, it, it's funny you say that because um, quite a few of the previous guests, when they talk about witnessing a kill, it's quite a mixed emotion type of an event because on one hand... One hand, you're hoping, you know, to see a kill, but then on the other hand, there's an animal that has to go through some sort of suffering for you to be able to witness that. And so yeah. it's quite a harrowing or mixed emotion type of an event. It, it is. It's, um, you know, we, we had Charlotte and Charlotte's parents in the, the car as well, actually, and probably all four of us had a different sort of emotion reaction to it kind of thing. Mine was just one of kind of surprise in the sort of sense that I'd seen this in parlor and boom, it was sort of done. Um, I, I think Charlotte was, was pretty sort of stoked to see her parents were in that sort of 
kind of shock mode as well. And yeah, it's sort of sad for the, for the sad for the Impala kind of thing, but it's, you know, the circle of life to use another Lion King uh, quote. And um, it, it just is, it is what it is. It's what happens in nature. You don't often witness it, um, but, but when you're at the respect and appreciation that you have for those, those creatures that, that live out there and survive out there, because it's, it's uh, yeah, incredibly tough environment and they do, they do so amazingly well to, to persist. And that moment of that sort of sighting is, is what kind of brings all of those sort of emotions back home. Yeah, and, and I think without going into too much detail, uh, a lot of people probably don't realise the actual, there's all, all sorts of smells and sounds and all sorts of things that you witness and you probably don't think about too much. It's more the sighting of um, the animal being taken down and, and the whole thing adds to the gravity of the event. Yeah, very much so. Um, it's, yeah, what we, you know, the, the hyena was then feasting on the impala. And so the, you know, the, the hyenas are, again, they're, they're a great uh, the cleanup crew. They, they eat and, and chew up all the bones, which return is the importance of recycling activity for returning those nutrients to the soil, uh, particularly all the calcium and, and stuff like that, that other animals end up with a shortage in their, their diet. So it's, it's important that, that they do that. And, but yeah, when you're sat there and you can hear this hyena crunching its way through a ribcage, or what have you um it's uh yeah it, it certainly adds an element of realism to it that's for sure <laughs> absolutely and um moving on from that uh, tell us a little bit about some other sightings or something else that whether it be unique or uh, special that you can uh, tell us about sure um i guess there's so many to, to sort of choose from and stuff i, I kind of um, it's almost sort of when I sort of boil down all of my experiences and, and stuff like that, my kind of thoughts or approach to things is it, it's always worth sort of sharing that uh, that sort of bits of experience that we've sort of accumulated over the years and stuff as well. And so, you know, when when we're sort of setting out in the morning, it's it's always quite good to have a think about what sort of what sort of trip you're you're sort of trying to do and, and what it is you you're hoping to achieve with the next few hours of driving and things like that because. If you're if you're looking for the big elephants and the lions and things like that, then actually quite often it's it's kind of about mileage. You know, the, the further you travel, the better your chances are and, and stuff like that. And that's not to encourage people to drive too quickly or anything like that, but it but it is to just sort of you know be committed to driving good distances today and away we go kind of thing. The other side of it is actually some of my uh, my best kind of birding sightings and things like that. If 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 you're into to that side of it, um, is is again you kind of have to adapt your approach and, and by just driving incredibly slowly ridiculously slowly really um, and, and the amount of wildlife that you can encounter that even if you're driving at 20 kilometers an hour you, you will not see you will scare it off and, and all the rest of it it really changes changes what you can sort of see. It's a different type of experience. So if you can kind of go out one morning during your trip, and, and this is where some of my favorite sightings have actually happened, is that you go out and gonna go, right, I'm gonna focus on birds today, and I'm gonna drive at five kilometers an hour, literally five kilometers an hour for the first three hours, and I'm gonna stop for ages. If I see a bird, I'm gonna wait for it to come out into the open and stuff like that. And, and I've ticked off some wonderfully rare bird species through, through approaching it in that way. But what you also get is the other stuff that you would have missed. And one of my best sightings um, that I absolutely loved because of this approach was actually when I was over at uh, Mapani once. Um, 
I'd been on the S50 over to the east of uh, Mapani and um, I, I'd been sort of trundling along real slow and kind of waving people past because they, they kind of pull up behind and, and then want to know what you've seen. And I was like, oh, I've seen this tiny little bird. I haven't been able to identify it yet, but I'm just sitting here until it comes back so I can identify it. And that's not for everybody. So, you know, they, they kind of carry on sort of thing. So I'd, I'd had a real good morning like that. And at the end of it was rewarded with this, uh, with a, a cheetah sighting where there was a, a mum and a couple of cubs, but they were quite well hidden. Um, the mum kind of stood up at one point and I got quite a nice sort of photo. But again, they were clearly eating something because you could, you could see the, the red on their faces and stuff like that. Um, and it was sort of the middle of the day, really hot, uh, sort of December time. So, you know, that was kind of the end of it. But what it kind of, what I then sort of thought was well, actually, you know, I, a, I, I think I would have driven past those guys if I hadn't been going so slowly and so the, there was a real kind of good learning in in that sort of activity in the approach and stuff and then what i actually did that evening was before sunset i said well those cheetahs were on a kill they look pretty fresh they've probably not moved anywhere all day because they'll want to unless they've been chased off by hyenas or a leopard or something like that and um, so i'm going to go back over there and, and check it out and uh, for the, my sort of last sighting of the day and sure enough they 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 were still there um, and i got the most wonderful photographs of this little cheetah cub um, basically just watching the sun go down and this glorious golden light and stuff like that as well. It's a, a wonderful sighting um, to, to have and, and a, a real kind of rewarding sighting, I guess, is, is how I describe it because it had come from, I'm certain I would have missed them if, if I had been driving at my normal sort of 20 clicks an hour kind of speed, um, if I hadn't been doing the, the adapted sort of approach. So it was so rewarding to have that and then to be able to go back knowing where they were and, and because they fed, the cubs were being a bit more active and they'd come away from the carcass into the open a little bit. I managed to get these wonderful photographs of, of one particular individual. Again, I, I can share them with you as well. But um, it's, uh, you know, it was a, a very rewarding, special sighting. And, and when you start to sort of get that, that feeling of, of being able to navigate the bush in that way, it, it really adds something to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I suppose that that's one thing. It's... Uh, yeah. unless you're very, very good at sighting or seeing animals and you've got the bush eyes, so to speak, um, driving slowly really does help you. Um, a lot of people say that as one of the main tips, but unless you uh, are very, very good at spotting animals at 50 k's an hour, which I don't know too many people that are, um, no, exactly. the speed limit uh, isn't going to help you. It's got to be a lot less than that. Yeah, agreed completely. And, and yeah, if you're, if you're going quickly, you... you literally give yourself less time to spot whatever it is you're driving past of course you do you know um you, you're more likely to be looking on the other side of the vehicle and miss it or you're you know you're, you're more likely to just not or you're less likely to see that subtle variation of color or shadow or whatever it is that's in the bush and and suddenly becomes an amazing sighting rather than just a shadow that you drove past kind of thing so it's uh, yeah there's that and having the windows open as much as you can even when it's painfully hard um would always be my top two tips um, yeah. for, for that kind of thing. but it, it is worth if you're there for a few days um i'd always recommend doing a, a dedicated bit of right i'm going to drive along this road because it's good for birth um go really slowly because i guarantee you'll see other stuff that you would have missed if you'd gone down the same road at 20 clicks that aren't just birds you know great mammal sightings too yeah, and, and uh, I suppose it also goes to strengthen a couple of previous guests where they talk about they'll drive around for a, a lot of the day and uh, they'll stop and have lunch and they'll just stop at a watering hole or stop at something interesting and just sit and watch. 
and quite yeah. often uh, and very exciting sighting will happen and unfold right in front of them and they're not even moving. No, the, the number of times I've, uh, particularly in the hides actually, um, which are usually overlooking a, a waterhole or a bit of water or whatever, um, you know, you can, it pays to be patient. There's, there's no two ways about it. And the number of times I've been sat in a hide, someone else has come in, not much going on. You kind of said hello to them or whatever. Uh, they, they've sat down for a minute or two. It's quiet, so they've gone again. And three minutes later, <laughs> and, out and you're like, "Oh, dude, you should have stayed." <laughs> it's always the way where you pull up and there's a whole heap of cars. And what are you looking at? Oh no, you've just missed. X, yeah. Y, oh yeah, that happens too for sure. But but yeah, the the number of times that that. Again, the best sightings I've had at, at hides and at waterholes, not always, but are often the sightings that weren't there when you got them. They, they happened because you sat for a little while on the page. You know, the water is so important to the animals. They got a drink. So, you know, you're, you're, you've got, you improve your chances of seeing great stuff coming in to drink in an open kind of area overlooking a waterhole than you do driving at 30, 40 kilometers an hour down a road surrounded by bush away from water. Just to, you know, you're playing the numbers game then and it's in your favour. Exactly right. And uh, we're coming to a bit of a close, so I might ask you if you've got one more story to leave us with. Actually, I think one of my, my favourite uh, sightings recently, actually, just for something quite different and unusual, um, was at the, uh, the Loipan uh, or Lion Pan uh, waterhole that's along the H12. So if you're driving from Spokusa up to Shokwani, um, there's, there's this sort of uh, waterhole sort of area. And in the, the dry season, it, it dries up um, pretty much. There's, there's quite often no water there other than what elephants can dig out. Um, but actually for, um, for the, the, the rest of the year, it becomes quite a boggy sort of uh, flooded sort of area. And it actually attracts quite an interesting collection of, of animals, um, including birds. And so we, um, we were there uh, in March this year, so just at the end of the rainy season and just before the lockdown things started and it's um it, it was nicely flooded good amount of water and stuff like that there was a, a big herd of elephants drinking which we got really close because the, the way the road is you can get very close to the the edge of the water so that was that was brilliant actually having to back up because the elephants are getting too close it's always a wonderful experience and um, and we um we, we were sort of looking at the bird life through all of this as well kind of going there's got to be some good stuff here and, and sure enough the, the three just outstanding sightings for for kruger in very quick succession we had um there, there was a uh, we could see just above some of the reeds and tall grasses that had grown through the, the flooded water there was this almost like a gigantic uh, bumblebee sort of buzzing around a yellow and black thing and it wasn't a bumblebee it's a, a male and yellow crowned bishop which during breeding season becomes it, it when it's not breeding it's just another little brown job very brown in its in its plumage and stuff um, but in the uh, in its breeding season the male becomes bright yellow and black um, and, and in, in different stripes and, and sections and kind of stuff so it's a very beautiful thing and it, when it's then doing a, a display to attract a, a nearby female, it kind of puffs all its plumage up and, and buzzes around, literally, and it makes this kind of buzzing noise as it's sort of doing it. So it does look like a tennis ball-sized bumblebee um, just sort of whizzing around. And they're incredibly rare in Kruger. They're, in fact, you would regard them as a vagrant for Kruger. It's not something that, that you would anticipate ever really seeing in Kruger. They're certainly not 
resident cougar, much more common on the high veld around Johannesburg further west. Um, but for them to actually come into the low veld and, and Kruger is extremely rare. So I was very, very happy to be able to, to tick that off the list. Um, and we were sort of watching it and stuff. And as we were watching it, there was a, because we've got the windows down and this is where, you know, keep the windows down, you hear things, you sense things that you wouldn't be able to if you had the windows done up. Um, I, I could just hear this little very soft little uh, call of a, a, a bird or something I didn't recognize at all. And I was like, what is that? What is that? And sure enough, literally just straight down outside the, the car window, just two meters away in all this sort of thick reeds and stuff was uh, a female and um, greater painted snipe, which again is extremely rare in Kruger. Uh, again, more common further, further west and in other areas of South Africa, but for Kruger, a real rarity. And to sort of have these two birds sort of right next to each other. I, again, the, the, the painted snipe was so well camouflaged. There was no chance I would have seen it if I hadn't had the window down and heard it first. We wouldn't have heard it if we hadn't stopped for the, the yellow crown bishop that was doing its thing. So just a real, you know, wonderful set of circumstances where you've had a wonderful sighting already with the elephants and then with this, this rare bird and then it just leading straight into another one that we absolutely would have missed. It's so incredibly well camouflaged. And um, so just absolutely brilliant. We're ticking off, this is life birds in the park for us, this wonderful elephant sighting. And then sure enough, as we're about to pull away, there's a, a long crested eagle sat in this dead tree in the flood area as well. Didn't see it come in uh, and it just sat there, didn't fly off or anything like that. We just observed it, got some wonderful photos. The photos of it are in the app now as well. Uh, and again, had never seen a long-crested eagle in Kruger. They're, they're very rare. They're, they're much more common further south in South Africa, but they, as they migrate back uh, further north uh, towards the end of rainy season, uh, they, you, you might be lucky to see a couple stopping off in Kruger just en route. And, and that was what we saw. And so in this five-minute sighting, really, or 15-minute sighting, we had three extremely rare bird species for the park, wonderful elephant sighting and just ticking things up. I love it when that happens and it all comes together and it's just so exciting, it really is. Um, such a rewarding experience. And for us, that's what it's, it's all about, you know, to be able to see that variety of wildlife in quick succession is, is such a treat and uh, a real privilege to be able to spend the time in the park to be able to do that. Yeah, wow, very interesting. And and uh, on that note, I'll say thank you so much, Danny, uh, for taking the time. <clears throat> Absolute pleasure, John. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll um, keep, keep watching your, uh, with your future guests and stuff as well. It's a great little series that you have running here. And it's, so, it's just great for being able to, to tune in and, and hear different people's experiences and, and stories from whether it be Kruger or, or anywhere else, actually, in, in, uh, on, in, in the bush and on safari. So thank you for putting it together for us. No problems at all. And for all our listeners, um, Danny uh, Broom is a co-creator with his partner Charlotte for the Kruger Explorer app. Now, I highly recommend you have a look at this, um, especially with access to the park being limited at the moment. You will be able to relive some of the animals, birds, uh, the roots, the main camps. We've talked a little bit about uh, what the app features, but it really doesn't do it justice. Uh, there is so many pictures and so many pages of information. Danny and Charlotte have put a lot of time into this and you can see it, it is really a great app. So please do yourself a favour and go and have a look. On their Facebook page, they don't just do the app. There's also some connection with the bush and I believe it's every Wednesday and Sunday. I have a few people, a few guests on that do some live videos and live streams to the Kruger. Um, tell us a little bit about that, Danny. 
Uh, yeah, sure. So we, uh, we've been working with the guys at um, Klaziri Drift Safari Camps, uh, with Klaziri uh, Private Game Reserve, Borders, Kruger, it's open to Kruger. Um, and obviously the, the guys, the guides that work there um, don't, don't have any, uh, any visitors at the moment with, with what's going on around the world. And so they've been uh, using their time very productively in producing a wonderful series of of videos uh, called Safari Snippets, which is basically an opportunity for, for you and I and anybody to go out on Safari with them around the wonderful area of, of Klaziri uh, and, and check that out. So um, there's some fantastic sightings. They always seem to run into a leopard, which is uh, a real treat, uh, but they've got plenty of the other big five and, and, and all the little guys and stuff as well. So there's some wonderful sightings and, and it, it's a, a wonderful way to escape. And, and as you say, John, we, uh, we add a, a new edition of that every Wednesday and Sunday to our Facebook and Instagram pages uh, and if you're interested anyway we, we post two or three times a day on, on Facebook and Instagram as well uh, different people's images our own stuff um, just sharing amazing stories from the bush basically so um, yeah if you, if you need that fixed then uh, then then check in but yeah certainly every uh, Wednesday and Sunday as well we do have the uh, the, the regular feature of uh, these videos that, that can take you on a safari from the comfort of home during a time that you can't get to the bush Exactly right. Well, uh, lastly, the Krieger Explorer app. Uh, do yourself a favour and have a look at it. Uh, Danny, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, John. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Safari Stories podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's stories. If you liked our show and want to see the pictures and videos from today's stories, please visit our website at safaristories.com as well as Safari Stories Facebook page and Instagram. It would mean the world to us if you could take the time to leave a rating, review, or comment. Join us again next time to hear more Safari Stories.